the Lord is made. Today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. We've heard the traditional story of the Easter morning at sunrise. We heard uh, from one of the Gospels the same story. We are here because of faith. We are here because of facts. We are in the Christian world in this time of the postmodern thinking. Today will not be the typical Easter sermon, for we know the story. Jesus, he died on the cross. He rose again on Easter, and 40 days afterwards, he ascended into heaven where he waits for his second coming. Today, we're going to look at what this means for us in this age that we live in, particularly this age that we live in. The dust is not even settled Eight bombs went off on the island nation of Shiraka this morning, killing multiple Christians in worship at churches. We live in a world that is very troubled. Now more than ever, we need to understand what Christ is doing right now for us, that we may claim this faith that he's called us to. It starts at the 19th verse, and Paul says, If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruit, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed every ruler and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Let us pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. There's so many things about the Easter time that bring up emotions. I was feeling emotions as a choir was singing and the experience of today. I remember as a little boy going to Easter with my father and him preaching and me sitting there in my first suit, thinking back to those memories of how this time of the year, it presses upon us and our belief. But that Jesus, when I was a child, is the same Jesus I believe in now. He has not changed because I have changed. I have changed because he changes me. The Christ that we are being called to believe in is not the Christ that you have heard about. For the Christ of this postmodern age is a different Christ. But first let us look at the hope of the real Christ. The hope of the real Christ is that he is the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament. He came to fulfill these prophecies, to make real the promise made to Israel. 
He came as a promise God made from the very beginning of this covenant people to bring a Savior, and He is that Savior. He is the hope of a people. He is our hope. But today we're going to move, I hope, from faith to facts. Because faith has gotten us into this mess that we're in. And facts need to be once again talked about. We live in a world that faith is leading us into a different place. Not faith in God I speak of, but faith in man, faith in humanity, faith in science, faith in the world that we live in. I know it is a good world to live in now. I know we have conveniences no other time in history has had. I know we have technology, we have information, we have facts, we're able to see, we're able to know and study. I know these are the best of times, but they're also the worst of times. Sisters and brothers, there's not a day or a week that goes by that we do not see the memories and the impressions of what this postmodern age has given us. It's given us a a world that has all the potential yet suffers from the littlest defaults and the littlest of breakage, where the littlest of things are such big things. We have made Christ, instead of a transformer of lives, we have made Christ into a convenience. And our little Jesus is not the Jesus of facts. Jesus came not just to die for sin, but to be raised again so we are saved from sin. The young people a while back, they gave me some questions to answer in a time that we did not have, but I'm going to answer some of these this morning. I've been holding on to these index cards. There's some great questions in here. Our young people are very smart. They're much smarter than the preacher. But let's look at it. How is it in heaven? What is the point of all the other planets? I don't really know. See, to me, Pluto is still a planet. Amen? I love Pluto. Why did they take away Pluto? Very disappointed in those scientists, people. Not fair to Pluto. The reason the other planets are there, in my opinion, is real simple. Keep everything in balance. Because if they weren't there, we wouldn't be in balance. We'd be wobbly, and we don't want to be wobbly. We want to be in balance. Second question, why did God make mosquitoes? I don't know. I think what happened is that when Noah was filling the ark, the mosquitoes snuck in. And y'all don't have no mosquitoes here. I lived on the Outer Banks. My Lord, they have landing lights out there. They're huge. After the hurricane, Irene, we had seven swarms of mosquitoes come. Seven different kinds of mosquitoes. They had been uh, there in in the swamp, and when the water rose, the tide, the mosquitoes came. And, And so the state was spraying the mosquitoes, and they would spray up to the edge of the just national park out there, and they wouldn't spray past it, and all the mosquitoes would go over there when they sprayed and then come back i never seen so many mosquitoes. So why did God make mosquitoes? you got to ask the mosquito. I do not know. Why do bad things happen to good people? Told you, these kids are smart. What's my answer? I don't know. I don't know why bad things happen, period. 
And I really don't know why they happen to good people. Good people don't deserve it. It's not right. But I do know when bad things do happen that my Jesus is there. Now this one is really the point of the sermon. Why does God give us free will if he doesn't want us to sin? I can't believe they wrote that question. <laughs> I read that thing five times and I said, what? Why does God give us free will if he doesn't want us to sin? And I, I studied that, I scratched my head on that, and I said, you know, I never really thought of it that way. I mean, free will, of course, he's given him us free will, but he's like giving us free will, and it's not free will to sin, it's free will from sin. That one I do have a little clue about, because this idea of free will, see my granddaddy was a free will Baptist. He used to preach in the free will Baptist church. He'd whisper when he preached. He'd whisper like this, he didn't have a microphone. And everybody would lean up on the edge of the pew to hear him, and then he'd shout and they'd all back up. And as you know, for real Baptists, when they pray, they pray out loud. It scared me, to, you know, to death almost first time I ever went. They started praying, and everybody tried to outpray everybody, and I started listening in to prayers, and it's amazing what you learn about people when you hear their prayers. I never knew people had so many problems, you know, why bad things happen to good people. Why does God give us free will if he doesn't want us to sin? What is this thing that's going on? And that's what the scripture is. Paul, he says, if we only have this hope, then we're the most pitied of all people. Because here we are on Easter morning, celebrating the event that took place almost 2,000 years ago, when a particular man, he had a particular thing happen, he rose from the dead, and we're celebrating this as if it changed everything. But my hope isn't just built on this fact, but it is a fact. He did do this. All you have to do is look at history. History proves something happened that transformed the world. History makes it known that something is happening with the faith that we claim. The Christian faith is real. It's not just something that we hold on to. It is something we can live for and live because of. See, the hope that we have is not just in a hope of some idea. The hope we have is that this is real. As I mentioned this morning, they, they were taking uh, all their it's a relics out of uh, just the great cathedral there in Paris as the flames were burning the cathedral, and they had a human chain, and one of the priests had rushed in, uh, even though the firefighters told him not to go, and he went into the flames to take the holy relics, and they were passing the relics out of this burning church. And I was sitting there thinking as I watched this along with the world, and by the way, they talked about the demise of the Christian faith in France, in Europe, yet people were singing Holy Mary and songs and they were crying and they weren't crying because of some museum. They weren't crying because of some faith that they had. They were crying because of the facts. And the facts is they believe in a living God. They believe in hope that is beyond this world. They believe that Christ rose from the dead. So our hope is indeed the beginning of the journey of faith, but now comes the point where God helps us. He helps us because we need help. 
We need help. That's what this question is. Why does God give us free will if he doesn't want us to sin? And the real answer to that is he gives us free will so we make our journey. And as we make our journey, he's got to help guide us on the way. He's got to help us. Because I can tell you right now, humanity isn't going to make it on its own. We're, we're a mess. We're, we're not the smartest cookie. You're not. Humanity's a mess. You know, they always show those videos and the people committing crimes and how they're not smart, you know. Well, people just in general aren't smart, you know. I heard on the scanner this morning at 5 o'clock, you know, I was starting to get up and get ready, and the men were all over here cooking and getting ready, and I heard on the scanner, and they said that uh, there was some property damage being done by a pig. It woke me up. I heard this, and I said, how in the world did a pig get loose to cause property damage here in Harnett County? What is going on with that story? And I was wondering about that story going, why is it on Easter morning the pig picked this morning to cause property damage? What's going on in this world? Something is messed up. Somewhere, somebody is messed up. It doesn't take much to see that and to understand that we're living in a world that cannot save itself. Every time we get to a point of peace, what happens? Another war breaks out. Every time we reach a point of understanding and our knowledge base grows, we, we end up using the greatest tool that's ever been created for knowledge, which is the internet, and we look at it to watch uh, you know, silly cats do silly things. And I love those videos. Those cats are so funny. Some of you love those cat videos. Amazing how you know, smart animals are. See, we live in a world that... No matter what we do, it's like we need more because we realize we're not enough. And that's where the help comes in. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who have died. It is describing not Jesus of convenience, but Jesus of facts. Now, now let's take this a little bit more because it needs to be. You know that part of us, of you and me, that is more our love perhaps, our hope, our dreams, our ideas? You know that part where you feel like the movie's about you? Not the Truman story, but your story, where you're the you're the main character, you're the protagonist of the story. And you just have this, this feeling that there's something special because we are special and we know we are. See, see, we need a guardian. We need a savior more than ever. And this postmodern world's fooling itself into thinking it doesn't need a Jesus. I mean, you just got to look at, you know, church attendance. You got to alert to look at the society that we live in and we take away this authority in some way we feel like we can, but we cannot for Jesus has all the authority. We read it in this scripture. It says, then will come the end and he will hand over the kingdoms to God the Father after he has destroyed every ruler and every authority and every power. What that means is our Christ is coming for business when he comes again. He's not coming to see if we're playing church or being church. He's coming to know the church that he called into creation. The world can't make our church go away and flames can't burn our church down. 
Our church is made of eternal substance. And that's what that more is inside of us that reaches out because we need God. God calls us to be part of the kingdom that he has built. We aren't just flesh and blood. We have the very image of God impressed upon us. And that image of God demands that we do not settle for the less things of the world. Because the world is a mess. See, here we find out how that happened. It happened because of a certain man named Adam. It says that we all die in Adam. Now we can all be made alive in Christ. So this question, it did perplex me. Why does God give us free will if he doesn't want us to sin? You know how far sin would take you? Other than jail, You know how far sin would take you? I was a little boy. I wrote a little poem. I ran in the room and gave it to Dad and said, Dad, I want you to read this. This is something. And the poem went like, I sought to find the treasure of the richest man. I planned and plotted to take his gold and also take his land. I was a little kid, like nine years old. I thought once I was rich, happy I would be. But I found out after I took, I lost what was me. My dad looked at the poem and he said, you wrote this? And I said, yeah, it just popped in my head. He said, where did you get an idea like that? And I said, I don't know. And he said, what, what are you talking about in this poem? And I said, I, I'm, I'm going to live a life where I'm not about me. I'm about something greater than me. And he said, well, that's Jesus. And I said, I guess it is. I guess it is Jesus. Sisters and brothers, what is life all about if it's not about eternal things? Everything we build has a plan obsolescence, a time it's going to break. It's usually when the warranty runs out. But faith has a warranty that never runs out. In fact, the longer it survives, the greater it grows in the heart of the believer. See, the Christian faith is based on what happened, the fact that something happened at that tomb and what happened changed the world. And the reason I know is because it changed me. No longer do I look at the world and the way the world sees itself. I now see the world for how God would have me see it. And the answer there is in the 24th verse. And this is a hard lesson. Then comes the end. That's hard, isn't it? As you're going over to Fayetteville, you're in the back country there, cutting over towards Methodist, uh, start to say a Methodist college, Methodist University, there's some fields there that they cut timber out of. You may have noticed that if you're going that way. There's a particular point on that drive that you see an open field and there's four oak trees in a square formation. And every time I ride by there going to a district event, I think about that place where the trees stand where I know a house used to stand. And most likely in those trees was a swing where children played. And those fields is where that farmer, he 
raised the crops that fed his family. And those children now have moved on and everything is gone. The house is gone. The foundation is gone. The well is gone. All the livestock, they're gone. All there are is just fields and four trees just to mark that story. But there's more to the story than just what we see. There is far more than what we see. Stephen Hawking, the great astrophysicist, said his last prediction. He wrote, this is all a hologram. (laughs) That's what he wrote. He said, this is all an illusion. Great mind, great thinker. He couldn't answer these questions that you've gave. He's not that smart. But he went to his grave believing this was all an illusion. Really? You think it's an illusion? This morning, I was out here with good people at 6.30, and we watched the sun come up at 6.36 a.m. Then we went in here and had a meal, and one of the men cooked salted ham. Now, they didn't put a little bit of salt on it. They put a lot of salt on it. And then some of the men I noticed putting more salt on it at the table saying, pass the salt. Now, I don't know about you, but if you eat salted ham, it makes you thirsty. Isn't that right, John? Makes you thirsty. If it's not real, then why do we get so thirsty? If it's not real, then why is it so good? The sausage was good, and the grits were good, but somebody ate almost all the grits before I got to them, and I only had a little spoonful. We must have grit-eating people at this church. If this isn't real, why were the grits almost gone? They should be more grits. It should be like, I can eat all I want to. This is an illusion. And I sat down and I was talking to the different ones at the table and enjoying myself. If this is an illusion, then Harold doesn't exist and Ned doesn't exist and the whole none of y'all exist and I, I don't exist. But I do exist because I have aches and pains. I do exist because I'm just who I am. I exist because I have a family with children and a beautiful wife. I exist because I have a wonderful and a beautiful church. I exist because I'm here. I exist because I know I'm here. And if you don't know if you're here, then take your hand to either your left or your right hand and just pitch the stuffing out of yourself and you'll find out real soon you exist. See, apparently Stephen didn't have anybody to pinch him. Apparently he got so head-minded, he forgot his heart. Apparently he didn't have room in his life. He was looking for knowledge instead of something more than just believing or thinking about something. It's knowing something. Our faith isn't based on if Jesus could raise from the dead. Our faith is based on Jesus raised from the dead. 
Those women went to that tomb. They found it empty. They were scared to death. They saw angels standing there and they went running back to the men. And then Peter and the other disciple and the men, they all came to see in one way or the other and they realized that Jesus is real. And then when they were doubting even, he showed up in the room. He walked through a closed door and he said, I'm here. You better believe in me because I am the Lord. I'm the chosen one and I'm going to judge this earth because it needs judgment. We got to get over this postmodern faith where we made Jesus a thing of convenience with no power of transformation. Sisters and brothers, our Lord is real. When all things are put in subjection, it says, it is plain that he does not include those, the one he put all things in subjection under him. When all things are put in subjection to him, then the Son himself will always, always uh, so be subjected, so the one will put all things under his feet. See, it's describing that Christ is Lord. You're going to go home and you're going to wonder what that man talked about. Some of you are going to say, that was the sorriest sermon I ever heard in my life. You'd be right. I don't know anything. I don't. But I do know one thing. And that's all that matters. Jesus is my Lord. I don't know what happened that morning. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Why is it everything changed? Because he's my Lord. So when the going gets tough, and it will, and the storm clouds gather because they will, and when the wind blows against our will, when darkness descends upon the earth, which it will, our Lord is Lord. When your life doesn't have meaning, because it will, I've been there. Seen a house burned down. I wondered why in the world. But the one thing I never wondered is that my God is Lord. Let us pray. Dear Lord, help us sort out all the images and pieces that are flying by in our mind. Help us see what Paul is talking about. Not that we are to be pitied, but we are to be shown the greater way. Lord, Easter is more than just a belief. It is a fact. And we know that fact because of how we live and what we choose to do. If we put you first, you will honor us. But Lord, if we turn our back on you, you will punish us. You're getting tired of this sinful world in its way. Lord, let us repent and follow the way of Christ. And let us be free from sin 
In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray. Amen.